0: Hello and welcome to Carefully Taught, Teaching Musical
1: Theater with Maddie and Kikau. A podcast to discuss musical theater pedagogy and to create a community
0: of sharing amongst musical theater educators. Feel free to email us at carefullytaughtpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at carefullytaughtpodcast.
1: This marks the very end of our first semester and we would like to take this opportunity to thank all of our guests and all of our listeners for joining us.
0: On our last episode, we talked to Mundo Baleos Jr. and Kyle Montgomery, two powerful people finishing up different stages of their own education and have eyes on teaching musical theater. And as I said before that
1: episode, I left so inspired. Just it was lovely,
0: so lovely to get to know both of them. So lovely, so exciting. Both uh, seem to be... Really interested in bringing what makes them unique in their own identity into the classroom so that they can inspire uh, other musical theater future musical theater practitioners,
1: and as Kyle said, he is available or actually will be available at the end of his <laughs> at the end of his That's time right. at SDSU. I love that. I mean, part of what we do is to some degree selling, you know, ourselves, like putting ourselves out there. and I actually love that he. Um, Kept mentioning his contact information. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) that was hilarious.
1: So on today's episode, this is the second part of our two-part series where we have shifted our focus to the musical
0: theater educators of tomorrow. And we have two more incredible individuals poised to make an impact in the next chapter of our industry story. Katie O'Halloran and Vin Nguyen.
1: Now, um, you were made familiar to Katie
0: via instagram right yeah she came up as like a recommended friend that i should follow uh, because we had some mutual friends and she was actually a recommendation a recommended resource that i had made earlier uh, in a previous episode i just find her super inspiring um i know we talk about it in the episode but what is her handle so that people can find her easily it's Katie O'Halloran directs, um, and I'm pretty sure that that's what it is on both Instagram and TikTok, but yeah. she she does a lot of direct address to the camera that is just, she says, the most profound and inspiring things about how to teach theater, acting, and musical theater.
1: And in a very short way, I think that that's what's interesting, is that it's it's these short little clips of inspiring information, so it's not like you're sitting there needing to you know, wade through hours of information. She's just yeah. like, here it is. She doesn't do a one-hour podcast like some people. Right. She basically sums it
0: up in less than a minute.
1: <laughs> and then Vin comes to us. Um, you know, we both collaborate with, with him in uh, with MTEA, Musical Theater right. Educators Alliance. Um, and also he is a graduate of STSU's MFA program and um, happens to be from San Jose, which is where I'm from as well. So we, he is somebody that we have um, have been following and, and has just completed his first semester at San Jose State University.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so he's a fellow Californian like me, too. And um, I actually had him, uh, because he also works as a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant. Um, I actually had him come and speak to my students last year. I just love Vin. He has become one of those people that, um, you know, I text, you know, quite often with thoughts or articles that I found interesting. And, and I just I just think he's the best and says some wonderful things. Um, I'm super excited to share both of these people with our listeners. Yes, so please enjoy part
1: two of So You Want to Be a Musical Theater Teacher.
0: How'd I do? Really, really nice.
2: My name is Katie O'Halloran. I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I went to the Boston Conservatory, got a BFA in musical theater, um, and then pretty early on in my training realized I wanted to be a director rather than um, an actor. Uh, Stayed in the program. So thankful I did because I learned so much about music and movement and how to communicate with actors. Um, And then just recently graduated from uh, an MFA directing course in Dublin, Ireland. So that's where I'm Chatting with you from now.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, the theme for this particular podcast is going to be about those who are interested in teaching. So I'm imagining mm. from performing uh, um to an interest in direction, getting that MFA, um, the kind of teaching that you do on your uh, mm. Instagram and TikTok accounts. um, What, what does that look like for you? What, what is your interest in teaching?
2: Yeah. So, um, I work with acting students from, you know, people who are quite young, who've maybe never done theater at all in their lives to people auditioning for, you know, Wicked on Broadway. (laughs) Um, I work on a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of classical stuff, but I also work with a lot of musical theater performers just on clarifying their audition or performance pieces. Um, and kind of my, my, my thing I guess is trying to make acting coaching, um, a really positive and constructive experience, um, and trying to remove any little, threads of trauma that may have seeped into past theater training experiences that that students may have had so I try to just make it the most positive experience possible um and that's kind of what I try to convey on my on my TikTok and Instagram and all of that but um that's that's what I prioritize really
0: well and and um, you know you're saying that in a sort of passive way but from from an outsider who follows you on Instagram you know this is something you're an advocate for student actors actors uh, regardless of where they're at in their lifelong studentship and um, and it's definitely what got my attention when you popped up as a suggested person for me to follow on on Instagram. And, and uh, because it's not just that, like, oh, this should be positive, but you seem to really prioritize actors setting their own boundaries, actors advocating for themselves. And I'm curious where that comes from, um, if you could talk a little bit about how you got to that place of advocacy.
2: Yeah, so I think... You know, unfortunately, it comes from going through theater training that was quite traumatic for for myself. Um, It also comes from watching educators coach fellow actors on monologues or songs and witnessing educators using past trauma from students' lives and lived experiences and saying, okay, use that to get this this performance, this product that we want to get out of you. We want it to be really, really real. So we're going to use kind of what what I say is like lazy (laughs) directing actually and lazy teaching um, because you're not engaging a student's imagination there at all. You're actually just uh, kind of demanding that they put themselves in an unhealthy um, position by tapping into something that is really painful or really traumatic for them. So um, my interest came from personal experience and I knew that I wanted to, part of why I wanted to be a director was because I wanted to create theater and create theater spaces that never asked artists to to do that sort of work or to cause that kind of damage. Um, And I think more and more people are aware of it and and, um, working in this way all the time. Uh, But I just really I really thought it was was an issue. The arts are hard enough as it is. I don't think we need to be tapping into trauma on a, on a daily basis. And I'm, as you're saying, like, I'm very, very passionate about that,
1: so. Are you noticing a difference in the response as you are training in this way? Do you find that actors or students that you're working with respond positively to this approach?
2: Yeah, I am. I think, I think artists love, actors love to use their imaginations. Um, a lot of the time I have students who go, oh, I've never actually had an, a a teacher talk about the lines in my body or the, uh, sensations that might be taking place in my hands or, or some, you know, some part of my body, um, using, I use a lot of imagery to get students to the place that I want them to, to be. And I think it just allows them to use their brains a little bit more rather than and and that's something I took uh, I took issue with as well during my training is a lot of the time I felt like I was being treated as though I didn't have a brain and actors are very smart and I think we need to start treating them like like they are Um, and so that's that's another kind of pillar for me when I when I work with students is treating people like they're smart, going really deep into script analysis um, and score analysis, talking about, okay, if you're singing a riff there, why are you singing a riff? What's happened to your character in this moment? What are they achieving by singing a riff rather than a sustained note? Let's dig into that. And um, I find that students just respond really well to that and leave coachings with me feeling better about themselves and being excited to work rather than thinking back on their coaching or, you know, their class with me and going, Oh, I, I should have done this. Or it's, it's a way of encouraging people to think ahead and to move forward rather than what all trauma is, is getting you stuck in a loop of, of the past and I, I just am not interested in working <laughs> in that way.
0: Well, especially when you're talking to people who are doing eight shows a week, <laughs> like that's that's a daily revisiting of trauma that is would be very hard to uh, to move beyond. Sorry, Kika, it's, it not, like sustainable
2: just, it's not sustainable at all. It's not sustainable. I was know. just going to
1: ask. You know, this it's almost, it almost seems like a silly question to ask, but because you do so many coachings, um, online or, Mm. you know, on zoom, or (laughs) I'm just wondering what, what, um, advice you could give, um, to kind of keep that area fresh. I I find that a lot of teachers when they're reaching out to me are like, Oh, I just can't do another virtual whatever. Mm. So just curious to know if you have any like fun tips or tricks,
2: how to keep, um, zoom coachings fresh.
1: Sure. Yeah, or or anything else you want to comment about it because I that's primarily where you're coaching a lot of students, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think like you know, for me personally, I'm I'm always asking students to bring in new material. Like don't don't get stuck on the same piece. Um and also don't get stuck with the material that your educators gave you four years ago. Like, let's find something new. Your dream role from four years ago doesn't have to be your dream role now. Um, I also encourage people to choose pieces that scare them or that um, they feel like they want to play, but they don't think they they can or they should. And then we kind of talk about why they feel like they, they can't or shouldn't be playing those roles. And um, from there, we can find their their version of that character um and I think that keeps things really fresh that's not so much talking about you know ways to make zoom fun I think zoom is um a little bit of a nightmare <laughs> like I would love to be working in person with students all the time um but it, it what's been great for me is it allows me to work with people from all over the world um and that has just been uh so great for me because I have to become a better better director because everyone has different styles of learning and different uh training and different imagery that's helpful for them. And um so I feel like it's made it's made me a much better teacher actually. Katie, so you
0: um you're an early career professional uh in that you just recently got your MFA. My understanding is that you started by teaching, just kind of your uh, your own studio that you created, correct? But then recently, if I understood Facebook post or sorry, not Facebook because I don't do that. That's the devil. Uh, Instagram posts. Um, <laughs> you've just recently teamed up with another studio. Could mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So um, I just recently became the resident acting coach for EKM Vocal Studio, which is a studio that was started by Emily Kristen Morris, who is a fantastic voice voice teacher. Um, She's also an amazing musical theater actor, dancer, singer, performer. She's just great. And she's a good friend of mine as well. So um, we were just talking for a while about the benefits of having an acting coach, Working within a, a voice studio. Um, and so she decided to take me on, and I've been working with a few of her students. and it's been really great. I like, um, I like going back to musical theater, actually. I was kind of out of it for for a while, just as I was getting my MFA, and um, I worked for two years in Minneapolis after undergrad, um, and performed a little bit as a musical theater actor but um didn't do a lot of direction with with musical theater performers so it's been really nice actually to get back to you know my roots and 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 coach people on these songs that I love so much so had a good time
1: <laughs> you know we often talk on this podcast about um what's happening in the world what's happening in the industry and i think your uh maybe for the lack of a better way to put it your your ministry regarding, you know, training (laughs) is, is so clear and so inspiring. And I'm just wondering if you have um, other messages or things that you're imagining can make real shifts in Hmm. the next generation of of educators and in students.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think for me now working with, students and so there are days where I'm like this is so bizarre that I have that I have students I feel like I I you know was sitting in my classrooms learning how to be a musical theater performer like yesterday <laughs> um but I think what I wish I had more of in my training experience was um separation between myself and the characters I was asked to play. Um, I wish there was more of an emphasis on cooling down when it comes to acting. I think we talk a lot about cooling down, you know, stretching after after a dance class, um, warming or cooling down vocally. But a lot of the time, if you're playing a character that maybe there's some aspects of that character that are, that are triggering or that are heavy or that remind you of something from your personal life. We don't get a lot of training on how to exit that character and that world and that weight, actually. Um, and I really wish there was more of a focus on, on that because I, I think that will make things more sustainable, <laughs> for actors, um, and I think too, like it's not your job to take the burden that a character has to bear home with you. You have enough burdens as a person. Um, and I think sometimes I felt like I was viewed as a, as a product more often than I was viewed as, as a person and an artist. And uh, I like to approach my work, seeing the person and seeing the artist and pushing creativity rather than pushing this idea of perfection and tradition and type. I'm a little anti all that. (laughs) So some people would disagree with me, but um, yeah, I like to focus on the person.
1: That is really great. Um, I would love just so that people have the opportunity to find you just as, as we found you for you to share your Instagram handle or how people can reach out to you or, or find you through the studio. Um, and then I'd also love if you had um, a- any recommendations um, for other people to find. So yeah. yeah, go ahead and give us that information. Yeah.
2: Um, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok. Um at Katie O'Halloran directs. Um, And that's kind of just where all of my TikToks live, all my vocal movement, um, character development sort of tips are there. Um, Quite a bit on how to make the process less traumatic for yourself as well. Um, And then I suppose like recommendations, I I got very into researching trauma after going through a BFA program. So I listened to a podcast called The Trauma Therapist Podcast. Um, There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, which was really helpful for me.
0: Katie, truly though, you are such an inspiration. I love talking with you. I wish that we had like (laughs) weekly coffee together because I just love... the way that you think of uh, training musical theater and, and theater people um, in a way mm. that is healthy, that is sustainable. And um, I just feel like, you know, uh, I, I learn a lot from hearing you speak. You're one of my favorite Instagram follows that I have. And um, I'm just really glad that we were able to, because with the time change, it wasn't super easy because you've got a pretty busy schedule. But I'm really happy that we were good. able to find a time to, to do this together.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Great. So Katie O'Halloran directs Follow Her. So, so excited about our next guest. One of my favorite people. Uh, I get to work with Vin on the Musical Theatre Educators Alliance uh, Executive Committee. Um, And, well, Vin, why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure. Hi, my name is Vin Jean Nguyen. Uh, I... I'm currently the manager of family and youth programs at Montapa Art Center. And I teach adjunct at San Jose State University here in San Jose, California. Um, my, name, my pronouns are he, him, his. And I, like I said, I live in San Jose, California, which is Ohlone native land. Um, and that's kind of where I am right now. I, I do directing part-time here at community theater, regional theater in the Bay Area, and it's a great place to be. <laughs>
1: Amazing. And I I don't know if our listeners know this, but I am also from San Jose, so you know that, you know, we've connected about that, but just even hearing those words, I'm like, oh, I miss home. Um, So uh, you described um, being an adjunct teacher, directing, you know, um, there's so many roles that you're currently playing. um, and, And all of that, to some degree, involves some level of teaching in each of these spaces that you're in. And I would love for you to just tell us what inspired you to teach or how you see teaching in your day-to-day life.
3: Sure. I've always been a teacher. As far as I can remember, I kind of got thrown into it because I was teaching. when I I went to San Jose State as well, so it was nice to come back as an alumni. Um, And the department has been overwhelmingly kind and supportive and encouraging in my process of coming back and uh, teaching there now which is great um, but I, I I went to school for musical theater and uh, my other major is hospitality and recreation so I came out of undergrad kind of in that limbo land of like should I really pursue the arts or should I you know um, and I ended up teaching a lot I taught a lot of dance classes for little children and eventually uh, and then I also worked in in um, the hotel industry because that was what I studied that was what I majored in and I was fine I was doing fine I was thriving I was happy but there was a little bit of me that says I, I still need more of the arts in my life and um went back and did a little soul searching and wanted to be a teacher because I feel like that would be the way for me to find my way back into the arts. so I became um very luckily became a um drama teacher at an elementary school and I ran ran that program for two years before I got into grad school and went got my MFA in musical theater at San Diego State just like Kikau did and uh, I think I actually reached out to you Kikau in the in that process and just like hey what's up (laughs) any pointers uh so and then um That was when I realized in school was I realized that that this is my life now like there's no other path that I either need to be doing some I need to just be doing something in the arts, whether it be teaching directing uh, creating or, uh, you know, acting, performing, whatever, but it just needs to be in the art. And that is a commitment that I made to myself, uh, when I graduated. And I'm very fortunate to say that I have been able to find kind of built my own path, um, coming out of graduate school and being a little bit of everything. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my journey kind of long winded there, but, uh, but that's where we landed.
0: So is this the is this the end of your first semester as an adjunct at San Jose State? Have you have you taught there multiple semesters? I, I can't quite remember.
3: Yeah, this you're right. This is my very first semester as an adjunct professor at San Jose State. Before that, I have directed as a guest artist for several other adjunct, you know, at slash adjunct. Uh, but more of an independent contractor for a few educational institutions, a few colleges locally. But this was my first semester at San Jose State.
0: Such a perfect semester to just walk onto a university campus and try to figure out what the heck to do. <laughs> it, was,
3: <laughs> it was challenging. I think a lot of the students are holding back from taking, a lot of my students telling me they were holding back on taking an in-person class so that this they can just come back because they don't want to take an acting class Um, online, which I don't blame them. So it was a really kind of uh, try and error kind of semester for me being completely brand new and also uh, trying to figure out like how much in-person do we want to meet and how much is that? Um, And again, the support from the department um, was phenomenal in in providing me with what I need to succeed and, um, you know, the mentorship that, that was provided was invaluable.
1: I know we approach this from the educator's point of view, but what did you learn yourself this semester? What what lessons have you learned? Maybe maybe one takeaway from, from this time that a new teacher listening to our podcast would go, oh gosh, that's so great. I'm so glad to hear that.
3: Great. I have the perfect answer. Uh, and uh, along with teaching this semester I because of my day job my full-time job as an arts administrator um, it was overwhelming and then on top of that directing a show outside I'm doing company right now so uh, I had to multiple times sit myself down and say it's okay not to have all the answers right now And I think that was the biggest piece of advice that I've gotten from various people. Susanna Vaughn told me that of my my cohort from, uh, and I cherish her very much for that. Uh, Just that, you know, I taught voice and movement this semester um, and I have never taught that class before. And so it was daunting coming into a brand new institution. Well, uh, you know, the first time teaching there, but also um, a new course that I have not, taught um and just kind of scrambling along and you know you you get the course content a week before I got access to my classes a couple of days before term start so um, it was very frantic but just just know that you have time that you know and and the greatest thing about that is that because I was planning my classes as I was going along I was I was able to tailor it to best serve my students, and I think they all were very appreciative of that. Um, you know, they. I realized we had more movers. We had more. You know, so we catered the class. I did a dance unit uh, for them, and they loved it. That so you know the that was one of the greatest things that came out of that struggle was being able to adjust and and kind of adapt on the fly because I had the luxury of doing so, um, and so. I just submitted my grades. So uh, yeah, it was a very fruitful semester, a very rewarding experience for me as well. And next semester, I'll be teaching musical theater.
0: So I'm super thrilled. So that's a perfect transition because your your MFA is in musical theater. You are teaching musical theater next semester. I'm really curious to hear from you and from your perspective, you know what are you hoping to do with your musical theater curriculum? Uh, that is unique to you, or what? What I mean, what do you? What holes are you looking to fill in the you know in the gaps in the tr- traditional musical theater curriculum? How are How are you going to do things differently?
3: Um, well, our musical theater program is very very young. Um, I think we're we have a minor right now, and we're trying to grow it into a BA or a BFA in the future. Um, so I I don't know if I'm the best person to talk to you about that, but it's very in its infancy stage. So um, we have one class, but it's repeatable. Uh, so I, right now I'm just trying to get again, tailoring it to my students is I feel like my, one of my stronger points as a, as a professor, as a teacher in general um, is I, I'm, I was able to adapt to what, teach what's in front of you, right? I think um, that was one another big lesson that I learned is that you have all these great content and you plan your choreography and you plan your lessons and then you come in, the class is completely different. You have, um, and and I think that also helps me serve the students who are from marginalized communities. Um, one of the nice compliment that I got from one of my students was that, that you looked like me. I have a professor that looked like me or I have a professor that's close to my age that understands what I'm going through, the struggles that I'm going through, I do a lot of check-ins with my students. Um, I try to do like a self-care day. I think mental health is incredibly important. And it's not addressed a lot. A lot of times in, in educational institutions, we teach students how to uh, produce art or you know how to produce a character and show, and, and, and but we don't teach them how to sustain it. You know, If they get to a level where they're lucky enough to do this eight times a week, but there's no self-care that is taught and they just kind of have to figure that out on their own. And so that's the the, the hole that I'm trying to fill, Um, valuing my students as individual artists rather than producing um, a product um, is very, very important to me. And um, it has proven very, very successful so far. So uh, we're hoping to to go with that route Um, and just listening to the students and what they need. Um, everyone is going to have different needs. And that's the other thing too, is we have a, because the the minor is still very small, um, I have the opportunity to tailor it to the students, to be able to talk to them and say, you know, maybe we can adjust this day and, and, oh, you need more dance classes? Here's some recommendation, or we'll do some more of that in class, or do you need some more voice training? Then I'll bring in a pianist and do more with you here and there.
1: that must be so exciting to to just see a student and really tailor this this space for them, and it just connects me to, um, you know, these conversations about racial justice, these conversations about mental health, as you're speaking about, um, and a million other topics that pop up, um, as we're working and and teaching and starting out, and so, I'm wondering if there are other efforts or other thoughts that you have regarding, um training the students for musical theater, yes, but also training them for the world that they're going to enter or really are a part of?
3: I was like, I'm going to flip my hair here and uh, tell you everything. <laughs> so uh, as, as as you both know, I diversity and inclusion um, in all the work that I do. And I think um, acknowledging we are a, a minority-serving institution, being in San Jose with a very diverse student body, and it has been an absolute joy to be able to work with the students. And again, like I said, valuing them as a as an artist. What was your question again? I'm sorry, I got a little excited. No, you're so good. It re- it
1: really was. I I wanted the the listeners to hear your passion. I know that this is an area that that brings you joy, brings you passion, and um or that I have seen passion from you. And and yeah, just it's that idea of, of course, we are teaching. We're serving our students. But there is just another layer that has now a part of this that we have to consider. So you mentioned mental health. You mentioned um, some other things. I just wanted you to speak
3: speak freely about this topic. I got it. Uh, so we, we were talking. I can give you an example. Um, I hold a little bit of space every day for announcements for to discuss what's happening in the industry right now. And I think it's a great opportunity to connect to your students, but also to train them to be more socially responsible artists. Um, you're both nodding, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, that piece is incredibly important as part of my teaching philosophy. Uh, we're not just creating, you know, Manufacture students and artists, even artists at that level, but that that they're going to create some good with their art, and by exposing them or um, giving them the awareness of the things that are happening right now. Um, a lot of times, I try to pose a question. Um, and and see how they respond and i'm i without even my influence without even my point of view or my my judgement or whatever and they've all came up with brilliant brilliant responses that i Emma all Olive. Um, I think I read to them the New York Times article about the changes that, are, that Broadway is making in all these shows in response to the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Lion King and Book of Mormon and um, uh, Jack and the Little Pill. Um, all these things are, are making little tweaks here and there. And just reminding, I think the biggest thing that came out of that conversation with my students that I remember was that Broadway is not frozen anymore right like they're still like we can go back and change things to make this industry and this world more inclusive and welcoming and um and and that was a changing point for a lot of them to be like oh, the industry is malleable. The industry is taking notice. The industry is, you know, because they need to, we need to, to Buddha to survive, <laughs> right? And, and so I think that's one of the beauty thing, beautiful things about it is that having that dialogue with your students. And we talked about a lot of local things that are happening in the Bay Area as well. As you know, we're incredibly vibrant and diverse, and we're very vocal when it comes to social justice. Um, And I was involved in... um a case with a theater company locally and um uh some of my students were actually worked directly with that theater company so it was very it was a um you know it it was a very sensitive topic and very personal to all of us uh to the ones that are involved and kind of um and they look to me they look to me for answers what do i do i'm caught in between like I look it up and here's my professor and here's the, the theater and the, you know, and so, um, and I kind of, I address it with, um, with grace and kindness and kind of give them the options of like, this is how I see it and, but I leave that to you. I leave that to you to make the choice. I know you're an emotional and intelligent um, human being that will make the right choice for yourself. You know, it might seem like everything is in a bubble right now, but in the grand scheme of things, it's it's gonna be a very small things, and what you do now uh, will determine who you are as an artist. You know. Um... And it's, it's just been, been very, very, that's part that I did not expect to come with the job. And it's it's been very rewarding to be able to offer that piece to my students this
0: semester. That's amazing. And what an amazing position to be in where you are literally quoted in the San Francisco newspaper about a topic, about a theater, and your students have a personal connection with that theater. Uh, wow. Um, so you wear a lot of hats. I mean, you you teach a class or two at San Jose, you've got what you call your quote unquote day job, you direct, you still, you act, you, you are a, a DEI consultant. How do you manage all that? And, and is that the long term goal is to continue to keep all these balls in the air? Or are you looking to go all in with teaching full time? Or I don't know. What, what, what is the plan then?
3: Yeah, um, thanks for that question. I, I actually have been talking and thinking about this a lot too. And thinking back, I think I've gotten to where I am today. It was because I, I had to hustle uh, of all of those things to make it happen, right? Um, serving on all these committees and directing while building my resume. So if I want to go that route I still can or if I go to academia route I still can or if I want to do an arts admin I still can and I think it's it it, it's great I feel like I'm somewhat still young and I can manage out of that at this moment but I think long term wise it's not sustainable um you know something's got to give and I've learned I've made this mistake many times in my life and I just just power through it's fine you know that culture of keep going keep working you're going to be fine and um And as I grow older, I feel like I need to start making a choice, a clearer choice. And I think hopefully eventually that choice will be clearer to me as I pursue all these paths more. Um, I have actually taken a step back and declining a lot of EDI consulting jobs, even though those really quote hot topic right now that bring in a lot of money if I want to go that route. Um, and I just don't want to be known as the EDI guy. I want to be known for my artistic stuff. I want to be known for my teaching and the services that I give to the community. EDI being one of them, but that's not all that I am. Um, and so having that conversation and 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 kind of, um, as you both know, EDI work is incredibly taxing, emotionally, you know, uh, and so I can only give so much and so now I'm choosing to work with organizations that I see great potential in serving the community in the larger scale, or institutions that I've had always nurture me or have given me the opportunity. Um, and, and now it's my way to give back to those institutions. Um, San Jose State being one of them, and um, another theater that I am working with. But uh, and the thing, the, the thing that I've been responding with is hire me for my artistic stuff and my EDI principles and value will serve your institution. You know, it's the same thing that I teach with my students, like valuing a person for their artistic contributions rather than just because they're a, a certain community that you need to check that box with. Um, and so that, I feel that has gotten me pretty far. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I don't think it's sustainable to do all these things. But it is—it um, is nice to have options. I will say that. Um, my long-term goals. I mean, I—I I will do everything until I can't. <laughs> um, until I can't anymore. And and like I said, I think as I go, I, I grow older, I do want to make time. For myself more. I think that's something that I missed a lot this semester was everything is great. Everything is fulfilling, but um, family and having uh, an opportunity to go on dates or (laughs) that has been non-existent this semester. I don't, I don't regret it. I just feel like um, I need to um, adjust uh, a little bit to, to make my quality of life of what I wanted.
1: That is so great, um, and it's it's amazing to for our listeners to hear that, right? To hear that that what might seem like this dream situation really does come with some give and take, right? With that's true for true for everything. Um, this has been amazing to to have the opportunity to speak to you, and um, I would love for us to leave with some sort of um recommendation that you might have, and this you know could be anything a book you're reading, a TV show you're watching, or um, yeah, what what recommendation do you have for our listeners?
3: Uh, self-care, uh, as I've mentioned before, is was what got me through this semester. Um, finding those little pockets of moment that are not theater-related, that are not anything that we do. And it's hard because I'm so passionate about the work that I do in the community that I serve that I don't really um, you know, it's, it's not work going to work, you know, it's not work going to, uh, rehearsals, um, but just take time off. Um, I love the beach. I'm very fortunate to be very close to the beach here in California. And so, um, I drove to the Golden Gate Park the other day. I, you know, and just kind of taken the view and just breathe and be with myself. Um, um, I drink tea a lot, uh, just the simple things, whatever that it is that, that makes you happy, um, don't forget to do that. Because to me, that that was, uh, again, going back to the full human being, the full quality of life rather than just, you're more than just the work that you create and the, the services that you provided. Um, so
0: yeah, that's that. <laughs> it's uh, it's such an important recommendation, and it's interesting, Kika. This is this seems to be a recurring theme. We're hearing this a lot. I mean, Kika and I were just talking the other uh, like within the last couple of days, and he's going to go on a trip to see some shows, and I'm like, yeah, but when are you going to take a vacation that you don't have to see any theater? Um, it's hard because we love what we do and we're fulfilled by it, but we have to be able to disconnect too. I think.
1: Yeah, I I love that you say. Um, work doesn't feel like work right it it it, i people always say wow you're so busy you're doing so many things but i absolutely love every single thing that i'm doing so for me like seeing theater is a vacation because i'm not i had nothing to do with putting that theater up you know what i mean it's like oh this is nice to watch and and enjoy other people's work Um, But thank you so much, Vin. This has been amazing. You are awesome. And I just can't wait to, you know, see what happens next for you and, you know, just sort of celebrate you every day.
0: We're both big fans, Vin. Thank you for doing this.
3: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy.
0: Mm, You bet. Music for Carefully Taught was provided by Joshua Haig. For more information, visit JoshuaHagueMusic.com.